Well, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening to you, depending on when it is uh, you are tuning in to watch this service, this message. My name is Kyle Rora. I get to be one of the pastors here at Temple, and it is my absolute honor and my pleasure to be able to open up the Word of God and to share what God has to say through His Word to His people today. Why don't we begin with a word of prayer? Gracious, loving, Heavenly Father, God, to you be all honor and glory and power. I'm so thankful for what you have been teaching me through your word this week, and I pray that that what you've been teaching me would be communicated, would be, um, would be shown to the people who are, who are watching this, who are hearing this. Would let those who have ears, let them hear. God, would you open the hearts and minds of those who are hearing to hear what you have to say to them today. God, we love you. And it's in Jesus' precious name that we pray. Amen. Well, when we look around our communities, our world today, we can see people uniting, for better or worse, in a plethora, a multitude of ways. Right? If, you th if we just look at our communities even, right? In the communities surrounding where I work and I go for walks on my lunch break, I can, I can take a walk and go into the Portuguese community where there's a, a Portuguese uh, community center or I can take a walk in another direction and come to a, a mosque where there's a, a very large Muslim community. And those of you who are maybe in high school can see this played out really vividly as the cliques and the social circles gather in the cafeteria or in the hallways. You're about to see that um, very well coming up in a few weeks. And there's, if we look in the, in the cities uh, around the world, we see people uniting under this banner of, of Black Lives Matter. We see some traveling very long distances to unite under the, the Mohawk warrior flag. Well, at the same time, there's those who are gathering and uniting around these things like that are white supremacy emblems or um, they're gathering and they're uniting under this, uh, this uh, Make America Great Again hat. Um, there's, the list is broad and it's long and it's I have nowhere near scratched the surface. It's seemingly endless. And now some of these are obviously extreme, but others are, are just good groups of friends. Like we also see things like um, people gathering uh, around YouTube communities or video games or, or their, their favorite books and fictional worlds. Some of them are just good friends who happen to like similar things. And this tends to make sense to me, right? We're as people, as humans, we're created in the image of God. And, and, and we have this creator who is, who is three in one. He's communal. And so it would make sense that his, he's created us. We are created for community. So it makes sense that we would search that out. 
And we're going to look for things that unite us in that community, whether it be the color of our skin, the communities that we grew up in, or, or just common interests and entertainment. We're going to look for those avenues of, of, of uh, community. And, and this seems just to be that product of, of us being made in the image of God. We're made for community. But like all things in creation, community has also been affected by the fall, right? In almost every example that I gave, we can see um, how being united to one group of people results in being disunited or disconnected from other people. It leads to disunity with others. And think about what's happening in our communities today. See, for someone to say that they, they support and they care about police officers, somebody else, right or wrong, is going to stand up and say, well, you must not like black people. You must not care about people of color. Or if someone were to say, you know, I love the movie Star Wars. Someone else might stand up, right or wrong, and say, well, you must not like the Star Trek series. Now, obviously, these two examples are not equal, and one is, is far more serious and needs to be addressed far more urgently than the other. But both of them highlight and they speak to the fact that our unity with one group causes disunity with another. And we see this all across our world. But what does that mean for us as believers? As followers of Jesus, because this reality, it's, it's inside the church too, isn't it? We unite with one group of people to the disunity with another group of people. You know, before I started here as an intern um, at Temple, I spent about a year and a half, give or take, um, preaching about once a month as an itinerant preacher. I would travel to different um, churches who needed a pulpit supply, and I would have the opportunity to preach the Word of God to them. And there was a few churches that I went to somewhat regularly, but in the end I had the pleasure of joining with several different church communities to worship with them in their worship services. And in, in the lead up, you know, I'd communicate with maybe an elder or a, a leader in the church. And then we'd get to the service, my family and I usually, sometimes it was just me, but often my wife and children would come along with me and, and we get to interact with those who are part of the congregation. Now, most of these churches that, that, that I went to during this time held very similar beliefs to what we hold, especially the core beliefs. Um, but there was a few variances here or there. But each of them had their own unique flavor. They all sang their own way. They conducted their services in their own uh, way. Some, you know, they had bands. Others had one person leading the vocal singing of hymns from the front. <laughs> it was interesting. One church that I went to a, a few, on a few occasions... As the preacher, I was expected to lead the, the closing hymn. And, well, if you know anything about my musical background, it's that I don't have any. And so that was quite interesting. I really just told them what hymn we were singing and then stepped way back from the mic um, so that they didn't, you know, I had no idea how to lead that. But, but, but it happened. 
Um, and some of these churches that I went to, they had, they had large pulpits that were uh, situated right in the middle of the platform. Others had a, mic, a music stand that I had to carry up with me. Some had coffee in their gathering times. Some had uh, just the time where you came in and you sat down in your seat. Each of these church communities were, were different, and some of them would have been united together to the disunity of others. But each was unique and beautiful. But ultimately, what I realized and what I came to learn through this time is that we were united in the most important way possible. We were united in the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. And in this I rejoice. Honestly, I, I miss those times sometimes, that, that getting to travel and be with various groups of believers and, and to be able to, to interact and to worship and to fellowship. Last week, Pastor Jason really showed us this meaning of authentic Christian fellowship, and I really appreciated that. This idea of participating with one another. And I miss doing that with groups of people who really I, I didn't know from Adam. But the truth is that I was intimately connected with them because of the true and better Adam. The one thing I learned from that time is that while each church behaves differently, and does things differently, all of the saints of Jesus Christ are united because we are all found in Christ. In our passage this morning, it seems to point us in that exact same direction on focusing on what unites us in Christ rather than in what divides us. Right? Focuses on what unites us in Christ rather than what divides us. And our passage today is found at the very end of the book of Philippians. In fact, I have the pleasure of closing out our series in the book of Philippians um, this week. And, and what a series it's been. I, I hope and I pray that the Lord has been convicting your soul and as much as he has mine through this, through this book. Um, as we've walked through this letter that was written over 2,000 years ago from, you know, a prisoner and apostle, the Apostle Paul, to this um, former church plant of Paul's and this Roman colony. In fact, in our small group, uh, it's been really fascinating. This summer, as we've had, you know, visiting preachers coming in and preaching from different texts, usually in our small group, we'll, we'll dive into the text that was handled in the sermon. And, and we've been amazed that that even as we've been going outside of Philippians, we always seem to be coming back to the letter of Philippians in some way, shape, or form. And we've always seem to be tied back to it, learning again and again what Paul is teaching the Philippians and us through the letter to the Philippians. And it's really been quite incredible. See, the theme and the, and the title um, of this series that we've been going through is, is Growing in Christ. Growing in Christ, because ultimately, that's what Paul is teaching through this letter. Growth in Christ. And as Paul brings this idea to bear on, on, on a multitude, a host of interpersonal realities, one of the key outcomes 
that he hammers home is this idea of unity. Unity in Christ. Because what, what Paul showcases through the book of Philippians is that growth in Christ naturally leads to unity in Christ. Growth in Christ leads to unity in Christ. We see this at multiple points throughout the letter, and we're going to see that a little bit as we go through our, our text this morning. But one of the, the key sections that addresses this that I just want to go to first, what I think is probably the linchpin for this idea of unity in Christ, is actually found in chapter 2. And, and arguably chapter 2, especially the first half of it, is like the key kind of passage to understanding this book. And we, we come to this key passage and we see in verses 2 through 4, Paul says this, he says, complete my joy. Catch that, complete my joy. By being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. So see how Paul is saying that to complete his joy they would be united. That's fascinating. He then goes on to share the motivation for this unity. In verses 5 through 11, this is what has been titled by some the, the Jesus poem. Because we're going to hear the, the motivation for our unity in Christ, namely that it's because of Jesus. When he says this, starting in verse 5, have this mind among yourselves, this mind of unity among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking on the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and he found, uh, being found in human form, he humbled himself, by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father." Because Jesus died for all of us, we are all united in Christ. Praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. Because Jesus died for all of us, we are all united in Christ. Now this week, we, we come to the very end of the letter. Verses 4, or chapter 4, verses 21 through 23. And the, the closing sentiments of Paul to his beloved uh, church plant, to this group of people he loves so much. And here's what he says. Chapter 4, verses 21 through 23. Greet every saint in Christ Jesus, and the brothers who are with me greet you. All, all the saints greet you, especially those of Caesar's household. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. 
So we started out today by talking about some of the ways that we are divided from others, how we're united in certain ways, but that keeps us divided from others, whether that be in the world or in the church, because it, it happens in both. Divisions are many, and, and some honestly are necessary and practical, even, even in the church. But, but here's, the, here's the thing. If we, if we spent more time considering what ultimately unites us in the church and less time considering what divides us, how amazing of a witness would that be? Because, I mean, let's, let's call it a spade a spade, okay? There are divisions in the body of Christ. Not necessarily in our local church community of Temple Baptist Church, Although I, I'm sure there are some, and God is grieved over those. But even as we look at the global church, there are divisions happening. And, and we're seeing it right now. Even like-minded believers who believe a lot of the same core values, the same doctrines, those who are of the same, um, you know, cut from the same cloth are, are deeply divided right now around this idea of regathering and how that ought to look. And I think, I think that's, that's really problematic. But what if we as followers of Christ, what if we put those divisions aside? Okay, and we looked rather to what ultimately unites us. That's a big part of what Paul is getting at here. You see, Paul is showing us that, that all saints are worthy of our affections because we are united in Christ. Okay, I want you to catch that because this is going to be important for this, this message. All saints are worthy of our affections because we are united in Christ. Now let's break that down so you can get a better sense of what I mean and what Paul is, is trying to show us here. So the first part of that statement is all saints are worthy of our affections because we're united in Christ. All saints. There's something really interesting about Paul uh, sending greetings to, to, to every saint, to all of the saints in Christ Jesus. Because most of the time, in a lot of his letters, as he's closing them out, he'll, he'll, he'll have this time of, of greeting, and he'll send his greetings to, to individual people. Greet this person, greet those people in the church in their house, and, and, and he'll send these, these, uh, these greetings to specific people. But I think that Paul is being very specific in, in how he's not doing that. He's greeting all of the saints. And it's interesting for this community in particular, because they're so near and dear to his heart, you'd think he'd want to be saying hi to his friends. But he doesn't. And it would seem because he wants to be true to the theme of the unity, the theme of unity in this letter. That it's, it's throughout the whole letter. See, check out verse 1. So I said that the theme of unity kind of comes up at multiple places. Check out the very beginning, verse 1. It says, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, 
And so this is who wrote the letter. And then we see who he wrote the letter to. To all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi. To all the saints. And it's bookended with our verses in chapter 4 where he says, Greet every saint. There's this idea of all the saints throughout the entire letter. Starting in the beginning and it comes right to the end. So he begins and he ends with this grouping, this uniting of all of the saints. And, and that makes kind of ask us ask the question of, of then who are these saints? Right? What does he mean when he says all the saints? What does he mean? If you maybe you have a Catholic background and, and you hear the word saint and you start thinking about these, uh, these saints who have reached canonization where the Pope, the sitting Pope, has to um, officially bring somebody into canonization as a saint because um, after they died, they find out that this guy did miracles. I think it's like two miracles have to be authenticated or something. Listen to me. I, that's not what we read in the New Testament. Saints, or, or could be translated as holy ones, are not some specific Christians who have reached this specific level. They are, rather, Paul means that, that they're all of those who are found in Christ Jesus. Those who have regenerated hearts, the holy ones who have been devoted to God because their hearts have been renewed and they've been paid for by the blood of Christ. So, so hear me with this. If you are sitting or standing or laying down, whatever you're doing, listening to this message, um, and you are a follower of Christ, and you're a saint. You are a saint. And don't let the Pope tell you you're not. And so, so how many of, of the saints are worthy of our affections? Verse 21, greet every saint in Christ Jesus. So is it just the ones that we agree with? Again, greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The second part of that, of that phrase, so... All of the saints are worthy of our affections. All the saints are worthy of our affections. At my day job, where I work most of the week, I do all of the receiving for the company, and so I get to interact with all of the couriers as they, they bring us packages. And now this happened a lot more you know, before COVID when I, when I had to sign for all the packages. I don't have to do that right now. Um, but... You know, we get into this rhythm of they would bring a package and, and then we'd have some, some greetings, right? And, and if, if you greet the same people every day as well, you'll relate to this. Sometimes those greetings get pretty rote and it's, it's just, hey, how's it going? Oh, it's pretty good. Or, hey, how are you doing? Oh, you know, can't complain. Nobody will listen anyways. And, and, and these, these progressions that are, they're all the same and it just seems to be the same every time. I think often when we... When we read Paul's closing of his letters and he says, greet every saint. We have this idea of greetings. And, and I think in, in Canadian culture, we often will, will greet people. Whether it's a head nod as we're walking down the road or a how's it going or, or, or hey, what are, you, what are you doing? How's it, how is it going? How are you today? And really, we don't mean much by that. 
But that's not what, what this word greet means. And so I need you to grasp this idea that, that this idea of greet is so much deeper. It's a term that shows deep affection. And so rather than this idea of just, hey, how's it going? I rather think of it more like, like when I first interacted in person with my parents after not being able to see them for a few months because of COVID and we got back together and we were able to greet one another, it was no mere, oh yeah, hey, how's it going? There was deep love and affection. And that is the type of greeting that Paul is giving here. So when he says that all the saints, to greet all the saints, he's saying that all of the saints are worthy of our deepest affections. The word that's used for, for greet could also be translated as salute or this, this, this uh, sign of honor or embrace the sign of affection. There's a deep affection. And so Paul is telling them that, that all the saints are worthy of our affections. And the third component to the statement is this, because we are united in Christ. All the saints are worthy of our affections because we are united in Christ. See, here's where we get to the meat of it. Brothers and sisters, here is the actual motivation. See, we've talked about what divides us, but here we get to what actually unites us. Namely, Jesus. Read verse 23. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Now this may seem be seemingly inconsequential perhaps. And if you were reading this passage in your own uh, personal Bible and prayer time, well, you might skim and gloss over this. And I mentioned before um, that, that Paul, um, that he, he starts with this idea of all the saints and he ends with all the saints. But this idea of the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ it takes on a whole new meaning. See, when this benediction <clears throat> is read in its context, it's the final hammer blow on the nail that Paul has been hammering this whole letter. Check out chapter 1, verse 2. So we start with all the saints, we end with all the saints. And then in, in verse 2, we see grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And we end with the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. So the grace of Jesus is also bookending this letter. And it's, it's also the key passage within the letter. That was the Jesus poem that we, that we read at the beginning in chapter 2 verses 5 through 11. This is because the unity that we have as believers, as followers of Jesus, as all the saints, is found wholly and completely in the grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And so I am united to you because the same Jesus that died for me, he also died for you. 
And we are, are united with the fellow believers and all the saints who are in Cambridge in Canada and around the globe because the same Jesus that died for us died for them as well. And so we are united in the grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Can I get an amen? All the saints are worthy of our affections because, because we are united in Christ Jesus. So what do we do about this? What about those believers that we disagree with? What do we do with that? First of all, let me just say, I'm not, I'm not calling for the disbanding of all denominations and causing one holy, um, united church. I'm not calling for that. I think that, I think that denominations have some real practical value. But what I am calling us to is to spend more time considering thinking, talking about what unites us in Christ rather than what divides us. See, too often when we talk and we think about our brothers and sisters in Christ around the city, around the globe, we spend time thinking and talking about what divides us. Oh, I don't like that um, popular preacher because he said this thing here. And I don't listen to that guy because, because he has the view of, 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 of this. And that church down the road there, we don't, we don't deal with them because they believe that about this. What if instead of that, we spent more time thinking and talking and praying about what actually unites us in Christ the grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who died for us, died for them. And that ought to lead us to unity rather than disunity. What does that mean for those of us who are in this congregation of Temple Baptist Church? What if we have differing views about what regathering looks like? What if we have differing views about what the music sounds like? What if we have differing views about different things here in the church? What if we were to spend more time focusing on what unites us in Christ? How would that flavor how we interact on our areas of disunity? How would that flavor how we pray for our brothers and sisters? How would that flavor how we worship together? Because our Lord, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ unites us. Because all saints, all saints are worthy of our affections because we are united in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, 
the perfect three in one. Communal God. You created us for community and we, we've tainted it with our sin. Forgive us, God. Forgive me for the times that I've shown partiality or favoritism in going to only those who I agree with or only those I like, not considering my brothers and sisters who have been covered by the very same blood of Jesus Christ as worthy of my affections. Forgive me, Lord. I pray that those who are listening um, to your word today would would hear what you have to say to them. And if, and if they need to confess this to you as well, I pray that they would. God, to you be all honor and glory and power forever and ever. All God's people said, Amen. Amen.